Office Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Airstrikes in Syria. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Friday, October 27th, glad you could join us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The U.S. military earlier today responded to attacks on American troops in the Middle East by launching strikes at targets in Syria. Police are still trying to locate the man they say is responsible for a mass shooting in Maine that left 18 dead and 13 injured. In sports, Game 1 of the World Series tonight in Arlington as Texas hosts Arizona and the Bills beat the Bucks in Thursday night football. And how a greater share of sons are stepping in as caretakers for aging parents. You know, families are smaller, daughters are working, and, you know, it's just that not everybody has daughters uh, or, or women to step in to be caregivers, and so the sons are stepping up. Claire Ansberry at the Wall Street Journal explains how the job is harder and the learning curve deeper when sons become caregivers. Revised numbers from authorities in Maine are grim. 18 dead and 13 wounded after a gunman opened fire at two locations Wednesday in Lewiston. Meanwhile, police have yet to track down their primary suspect, 40-year-old Robert Card, who they warn is armed and dangerous. CBS News says investigators are looking into whether the suspect was targeting a specific individual who is believed to be a current or former girlfriend. Dr. John Alexander is chief medical officer of Central Maine Healthcare. What made it more difficult was the fact that uh, this is our community, uh, we, you know, a lot of our team members work and live in this community. They know people in this community. Um, they had family members and loved ones and friends who may have been out uh, in these establishments. The weapon used in the shootings was a semi-automatic rifle with an extended magazine and scope. The U.S. Army says the suspect, a sergeant first class in the Army Reserve, is a petroleum supply specialist. He recently reported mental health issues, including hearing voices. He had also threatened to shoot up the National Guard base in Saco, Maine. Overseas now, two U.S. fighter jets struck weapons and ammunition facilities in Syria earlier today in retaliation for attacks on U.S. forces by Iranian-backed militia. The Pentagon says the strikes on the two facilities are used by Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps and militia groups that it backs. Brigadier General Pat Ryder, spokesman for the Defense Department, warns the U.S. will take additional measures if attacks by Iran's proxies continue. We would do so at a time and place of our choosing. I think we've been crystal clear that we maintain the inherent right of defending our troops and we will take all necessary measures to protect our forces and our interests overseas. U.S. and coalition troops have been attacked at least 19 times in Iraq and in Syria by Iran-backed forces in the past week. Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdullahian said at the United Nations yesterday that if Israel's offensive against Hamas did not stop, the United States will not be spared from this fire, end quote. Also of note, the Pentagon said about 900 more U.S. troops have arrived in the Middle East or are heading there to bolster air defenses. New House Speaker Mike Johnson met with President Biden to discuss the White House request for nearly $106 billion for Israel, Ukraine, and other national security needs. Mr. Johnson, a staunch conservative from Louisiana, has shown little interest in providing additional money from Congress to support Ukraine in its defense against the Russian invasion. I have no problem with with, uh, President Biden as an individual, right? You respect the office. It's a biblical admonition that you give honor where honor is due, and that's the, the honest, the respect that we have for the office. 
But he and I uh, agree on almost no policy. So we didn't get into that too much. He was on Fox News. Later, he insisted Congress is, quote, not going to abandon Ukraine. Instead, Mr. Johnson said House Republicans would first bring a separate bill to provide $15 billion in aid to Israel. But they need more information about the Biden administration's Ukraine strategy. Also, Mr. Johnson is floating the idea of extending government funding through mid-January or mid-April to give lawmakers more time to negotiate 12 separate government funding bills. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm-fresh ingredients, you're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. The Biden administration's tone has carefully shifted in recent days when it comes to Israel's response in Gaza, with reports indicating it's encouraging the delay of a ground invasion in the hopes more hostages could be freed and humanitarian assistance could be let in. More from Alex Gangitano, White House reporter at The Hill. Alex, explain the shift. Yeah, so it's been an interesting, slow kind of moving shift we've been witnessing. You know, when the when the terrorist attack first happened earlier this month, the Biden administration and the president himself was very uh, adamant, you know, we support Israel, we'll do whatever we can to back them. This is a horrific attack. Um, and now we've, of course, the president still is unwaveringly supporting Israel. Uh, but we also are seeing a lot more focus now on the situation at the, on the ground, civilian casualties, getting aid into Gaza, um, humanitarian efforts like getting in food, water, gas, whatever else um, they need. And the Biden administration has been very um, adamant now and always mentioning that also when they mention the conflict on the ground and supporting Israel. So I think there's this kind of dire humanitarian crisis going on, obviously, as we've seen. And they're definitely leaning in to show, yes, we 100% care about that and are concerned about that while also towing the line of supporting Israel. And then at the same time, there's these hostages uh, still being held by Hamas. And that's something that the Biden administration has also been really leaning into saying that they're, uh, you know, laser focused on getting those people released while also, you know, supporting that if Israel wants to go for a ground invasion, we're not in a place to stop them. Yeah. Um, you're kind of towing this line. And, and something we've not heard, right, is is the phrase ceasefire. That's right. So uh, there's, of course, calls a lot of from the left um, in the country, as we all have been seeing, uh, you know, on college campuses or whatever else, that the president needs to call for a ceasefire. Well, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. We've also seen it from the international community. Um, the president left the door open to a discussion about ceasefires, but only after Hamas 
releases these hostages. You know, there were talks of, would you do a ceasefire hostage release deal with Hamas? And he said, uh, no, they just need to release the hostages, and then maybe we'll get to that discussion. We're speaking with Alex Gantitano, White House reporter at The Hill. Her story is called U.S. Shifts Tone on Israel-Hamas War as Potential Ground Invasion Looms. Why the shift in tone, by the way? Yeah, it's been interesting to watch. I think there's obviously political uh, the strings pulling the president here in the U.S. You know, there's a lot of voices, as we mentioned in the ceasefire debate, uh, oftentimes from the left saying, you know, this is a humanitarian crisis. You need to think about the people in Gaza. So I think the White House is is hearing those calls. So that might be part of it. Um, but I think it also just as tricky as this situation is getting, the more complex their response is going to get, um, that it's not just a Israel versus Hamas situation. When you have these civilians on the ground, you have these other countries maybe not cooperating with letting humanitarian aid into Gaza uh, and, you know, letting the the U.N. do what they need to do in there. So there's a lot of factors here at play. And I think as the White House kind of assesses what's going on on the ground, we're hearing more about the kind of humanitarian quagmire that's going on right now of, you know, there's this diplomatic situation and the humanitarian crisis and, like, how can we deal with both things at the same time? So I think we're going to see them leaning in even more so as the shift continues uh, into focusing on civilians. Could there be a continuing shift in tone if, say, Iran or its proxies get involved? Yeah, you know, that's a big one. Uh, We heard about service members uh, being injured in in Syria, and, and the president said that he, you know, has been firm with Iran about um, you know, taking care of our troops in the Middle East or, or his focus on taking care of our troops in the Middle East. So I think that if more folks get involved, and of course, if the crisis broadens, uh, which is something that the administration has definitely been laser focused on, is trying to prevent this from expanding throughout the Middle East, then I think we'll see a lot more uh, focus in terms of the military, in terms of taking down Hamas, um, and then maybe the shift kind of civilians become maybe, you know, more of a, I don't want to say a secondary factor, but, you know, the uh, crisis on the ground in terms of military and security assistance, I think would definitely become the priority in that case. Thanks, Alex. Alex Gangitano, White House reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. U.S. launched strikes last night on two bases in eastern Syria. It believed were used by Iranian groups. The first U.S. offensive military response to a wave of drone and rocket attacks on troops based in Iraq and Syria. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. We've got uh, troops in Iraq and Syria that are there on a very important mission, going after ISIS. Still viable mission, because that's still a group that poses a threat. The strikes against the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and affiliated groups were authorized by President Biden. Number two. The Coast Guard has deployed resources to help search for Robert Card, the suspect in a mass shooting that left 18 people dead in Lewiston, Maine, Wednesday night. Police say they were searching for a white Subaru Outback that was registered to Card, and that vehicle was found near a boat launch. Lewiston Police Chief David St. Pierre. I do ask the public to continue to be mindful of their own personal safety. According to a 
Maine law enforcement bulletin card has a Sea-Doo boat registered in his name. Number three. A federal judge has ordered Georgia to draw new congressional and state legislative maps to better represent black voters after finding the state's current maps violated a section of the Federal Voting Rights Act. A group of civil activists and religious leaders challenged the maps drawn by the Republican-controlled General Assembly, saying the black community's voting power was being illegally suppressed. Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips has officially announced he is running for president, kicking off a long-shot Democratic primary challenge to President Biden. The three-term congressman argues the president would be a weak general election candidate due to his age and low approval ratings. U.S. economic growth surged this summer at the fastest pace since 2021 as consumers spent at a blockbuster rate. Gross domestic product expanded at a 4.9 percent annual rate in the third quarter, more than double the pace in the second quarter. Lael Brainerd is the director of the National Economic Council. The data in recent months uh, has all pointed in the same direction, which is that we are seeing strong ongoing growth with inflation coming down. Analysts say the acceleration likely won't change Federal Reserve policymakers' plans to hold interest rates steady at their meeting next week. All right, thank you, Jen. More sons are stepping in to care for parents. While daughters outnumber sons as caregivers, the gender gap is shrinking. But Claire Ansberry at the Wall Street Journal says caregiving can take a particular emotional and financial toll on sons. Claire, what's up here? Daughters still, and and women still are predominantly caregivers, family caregivers, but more men are, um, are stepping up. And, you know, in 2015, there were about 16 million adult male caregivers, and now it's 18.7 million. Um, And about half of those, half of caregivers are providing care for parents or parents-in-laws. And and when you get into the younger cohort, uh, millennials um, or young adults, um, 47% of the caregivers are sons. uh, So 53% are daughters. So... um, you're, you're seeing that when, when the caregivers are younger, the, the um, gender, there's more parity there. Mm. And it's really a matter because, um, it, you know, families are smaller. Um, uh, daughters are working. Uh, and, you know, it's just that it, not everybody has daughters uh, or, or women to step in to be caregivers. And so the sons are stepping up. I thought it was an interesting point you made about how it, it's harder for sons on a couple of fronts in what ways yeah and you know honestly caregiving is very difficult for anybody um but where where sons have um sons say they have uh you you know different challenges in that um they don't always seek help or they aren't the ones to go to support groups um uh, this one guy I talked to, he says, you know, they, there were a lot of women. He was one of the few guys there. So they don't, they tend not to go to support groups. I mean, there's always exceptions. Um, they uh, they can keep things to themselves. Um, and they might not feel comfortable providing personal care um, to a parent, to a mom, or, or to a dad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of them, like this one guy I talked to, he's single, he's 41, um, he doesn't have kids, and he, he said, you know, my life was always about me. I could take care of myself, and as long as I only had me to worry about, that was fine. Mm-hmm. I could eat Hot Pockets, I could, you know, get through the day on an energy bar, but um, 
I can't do that with my mom. And, you know, it's all these small details I had didn't have to worry about. Now I do, you know. Mm. I have to be the nurturer. Yeah. We're speaking with Claire Ensbury, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. Her piece is called More Men Are Taking Care of Their Aging Parents. The Learning Curve is Steep. So the guy you've referenced is this uh, 41-year-old Brandon Will, uh, who has yeah. moved in with his mom in Forest Park, Illinois, to take care of her. What about the financial impact here for him? Yeah, I mean, he had been living in New York, um, had just gotten, uh, he's, a, he's a writer, and he had just uh, gotten a publishing job in New York when his mom was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And he thought that he could manage by um, flying back and forth, you know, spending a month with her, um, and then going back to New York and his life and his career. And, and then her, she fell, and it just became clear that she couldn't live on her own, and they couldn't afford to hire somebody to come in and take care of her. Nice, Claire. Claire Ensbury, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. By the way, if you've missed anything, be sure to check out a podcast of today's show. It's available every day on the This Morning with Gordon Deal app, plus Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-aged mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. We are America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday, October 27. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Manhunt continues for the mass shooter in Maine where 18 were killed and 13 injured. U.S. fighter jets struck two sites in Syria in response to repeated attacks on troops in Iraq and Syria. Amazon beat expectations in the third quarter by tripling its profit. Unhappy with his response to the Hamas attacks on Israel, private equity titan Mark Rowan is pulling donations to the University of Pennsylvania. World Series begins tonight. Quarterback Josh Allen led the Bills over the Buccaneers and raised a Pilsner glass this evening because it is National American Beer Day. A pat on the back for consumers. The U.S. economy grew at a remarkable 4.9% annual rate in the third quarter marking a major acceleration from the second quarter as consumer spending soared and residential construction rose. In-depth analysis from Megan Casella, economics reporter at Barron's. Megan, what a stretch. It sure was. This was a really strong uh, economic growth report. It was better than expected and expectations were quite high. So it really just showed just how resilient, just how remarkably strong the economy was over the summer in that June through September period. And it was really powered by consumers. This was a report that was telling the story of consumer strength, of resilient consumer spending, of people spending on goods and services, on 
everything from housing and healthcare to travel and dining out. It was really, really strong and shows us you know, just how resilient the economy remains, even as prices are high and as interest rates are rising. I was going to say, why? Prices are higher for everything, it seems. Interest rates are high. Why, why is this possible, this number? It really is remarkable, and it and it was unexpected, especially you know a year ago. Nobody thought growth would be this strong. There's a few factors at play. Incomes really had some support through the third quarter, where incomes were finally outpacing inflation. I think consumers, you know, are are spending through savings, are willing to spend on on things like vacations, things like concert tickets, the movies. I mean, some one-off events that were really. Uh, remarkable and unusual during the summer that there was some revenge spending going on there as well. And everything was strong across the board. I mean, business investment was quite strong. Federal spending was still strong. Residential investment and construction jumped up for the first time in quite some time. So it was mostly consumers, but it was not entirely. We just saw strength across the board sort of powering through, um, powering through those higher prices and those rising interest rates for maybe, you know, maybe one of the last bursts of, of really strong strength before things start to slow. Hmm. We're speaking with Megan Casella, economics reporter at Barron's. Her story is called The Economy is Growing Super Fast, a 4.9% annual rate. Um, what was your point about imports? That was the Imports were the only component that actually subtracted from GDP in the third quarter. And that just means that Americans were buying more goods from abroad. And while they are a subtraction in the calculation of GDP, most economists actually view these as a positive thing. This was something that came up a lot during the Trump administration when we talked about the trade deficit. And when we're exporting more, that's a good thing. We're, we're selling our goods abroad and our services abroad. And when we're importing more, that's technically a subtraction. But that means that it's just another reflection of how strong American consumers are. They're buying goods from abroad and they're traveling abroad. Tourism can be mm. uh, viewed as an import as well when you're buying plane tickets from a foreign company, for example. Gotcha. Um, headwinds are growing, however, some say. They are. So that's, you know, we do have to sort of take this GDP report with a grain of salt, as you always do. One, because it will get revised, but more importantly, because it's backwards looking. So, yes, I think it's very clear that that consumers and the overall economy were very strong in the third quarter. But most economists really expect things to slow down pretty significantly in the fourth quarter. You know, we'll, we'll likely still be growing, but but a big slowdown because of those headwinds that are rising. I mean, consumers have spent through their savings. Um, savings rates are declining. Today's data made that clear. Um, they are having to spend more on things like housing, so they can't spend as much on vacations or, or concert tickets next time. And there's, all, there's a number of other things, too. I mean, the Fed's interest rate hikes are really starting to bite, and, and they're slowing some demand, particularly in business investment, government investment, that sort of thing. And there's geopolitical tensions as well that are really at an all-time high that can really ramp up uncertainty and and depress consumer demand, particularly if there are impacts on things like oil prices. But also even without that, when, when things are more uncertain, investment tends to slow and, and consumer spending can slow as well. Yeah. How might the uh, Federal Reserve absorb all this? It comes at an interesting time for the Fed because, of course, they're meeting again next week to decide whether to raise interest rates again. But even, you know, the blockbuster growth that we saw in the third quarter today, it's unlikely to really alter the Fed's path forward. They've been very clear they want to proceed cautiously and that they're all but certain to hold rates steady next week. And this is unlikely 
to change that. They don't want to flip the script in the last minute. And they, they by and large knew that the third quarter was this strong. They already had seen really strong retail sales spending, for example, really strong jobs reports mm. and that sort of thing. So they already knew this was coming and they're braced for things to slow from here, the way that most economists think that spending is going to slow down because we're not going to have some of these idiosyncratic factors next quarter. Thanks, Megan. Megan Casella, economics reporter at Barron's. Welcome into Friday. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, truth be told, there are a few things this crew enjoys more than Philadelphia sports fans getting their come up. And so you can imagine how delightful this story was to come across. Arizona Diamondbacks ace pitcher Zach Gallen is slated to start game one of the World Series against the Texas Rangers tonight. But before that, he was dealing on social media to trash talking Phillies fans after the D-backs won Game 7 of the NLCS. One Phillies fan had the audacity to come at Gallon on social media, pointing out that he was 0-2 in the series against Philly. Gallon wasted no time clapping back, telling the fan that he should make sure to get tickets for your next game, and then posted a StubHub link to purchase Phillies tickets for spring training <laughs> of 2024. Bam! <laughs> As you can imagine, almost everyone outside of the Philadelphia area loved Gallon's off-the-top-rope response to this heckler. The takedown was so bad that the Philly fan laid made their account private, likely to save the embarrassment of having to see people LOLing all over their mentions. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. So so the Phillies implode at home. They do. And Twice. Give, and give away the lead <laughs> yes. that they were holding right. in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. The fans, like seemingly, at least based on some like online interviews, want the franchise disbanded pretty much. <laughs> and now you've got Phillies fans who are trolling players of the winning team. Yeah. This is why this is why you know how in some sports towns they say for example Green Bay Packers fans, mm-hmm. really intelligent football audience. Mm-hmm. You've never heard that in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, and that's not my assessment to be clear. Right. But you don't hear somebody say those Philadelphia Phillies fans, that's that's a really smart baseball group. Like, you yeah. don't hear that said. Like, you St. Know? Louis, you hear that about? St. Louis, that, yeah. That baseball yeah. fans, smart, real smart, smart baseball, baseball fans. fans right? yeah, I Packers guess. fans, smart, you know, <laughs> smart football IQ. Right. We don't hear that out of Philadelphia. It's true. We do not and hear this, that. And this evidence supports why. <laughs> I, I think I would agree. They still have the brotherly shove, though, for their... Uh, uh, y- so yes. They got that going for them, yes, at least. No, they can switch over to football. Love now. the innovation there, for sure. <laughs> but in baseball, it's not a thing. Yes. And uh, we've already heard about preparations being made for the Summer Olympics in Paris next year. But before that, get ready for a competition far less prestigious, but likely a lot more fun. A group of Floridians plan to host competitions themed according to the social media phenomenon known as... Florida Man. Organizers of the Florida Man Games described the competition as the most insane athletic showdown on earth. Among the contests planned for February in St. Augustine are the Evading Arrest Obstacle Course, in which contestants <laughs> jump, jump over fences and through yards while being chased by real police officers. That's great. The Category 5 Cash Grab, in which participants try to grab as much money in a wind-blowing booth. And the self-explanatory Beer Belly Wrestling. General admission tickets to the event are going for $45. Two former stars of American Gladiators have agreed to serve as referees. That's funny. That's not bad at I all. Love, I love the uh, the evading arrest obstacle <laughs> course. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah that's got to be the uh, the signature event of this whole thing. The cash-blowing thing. I mean, what you know. Yeah. You can see that like uh, almost anywhere. Right, right. I, I don't need any that. Game, any game show might have yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I need that. I need badly the evading arrest obstacle course. I, if that's a stream, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch the yes. streaming broadcast yes. of that. That's going to be good. For sure. Thank you, Mike. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? 
The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermal regulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. This is America's First News, preparing you for the day ahead with headlines and in-depth analysis. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. You've heard that walking 10,000 steps a day is known to improve health, but reaching that goal can be difficult. I mean, that's like walking five miles. Now, new research is showing more efficient ways to get similar health benefits without devoting at least an hour per day to walking. Taking the stairs is one way. A study published in the medical journal Atherosclerosis found that climbing five flights of stairs per day, or around 50 steps, lowered the risk of cardiovascular disease by 20%. In addition, the same benefits are found when the climbing is broken up into smaller segments throughout the day versus climbing five flights all at once. ABC News medical correspondent Dr. Darian Sutton, an emergency medicine physician, says climbing stairs can also help reduce the risk of diabetes and can improve muscle strength. Another study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine found similarly that just 20 to 25 minutes a day of vigorous movement can help you live longer. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden ordered fighter jet strikes in eastern Syria Thursday targeting facilities used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Defense Department spokesman Pat Ryder says the strikes were in retaliation for attacks on U.S. forces. I'm not going to have more specific information to provide to you from here in terms of specific groups that have claimed responsibility other than to say we know that these groups are uh, affiliated with Iran. Separately, the Israel Defense Forces shared more details of its recent strikes, saying ground troops, fighter jets, and drones struck anti-tank missile launch sites, command centers, and control centers. The IDF also says operatives of Palestinian militant group Hamas were hit. Number two. Law enforcement agencies are still searching for the suspect in a mass shooting that left at least 18 people dead and 13 injured Wednesday at a bowling alley in a bar in the town of Lewiston, Maine. A warrant has been issued for the arrest of 40-year-old Robert Card, who remains at large and is considered armed and dangerous. Maine Governor Janet Mills. This city did not deserve this terrible assault on its citizens, on its peace of mind, on its sense of security. No city does. No state. No people. Card is a sergeant first class in the Army Reserve who enlisted in 2002. He is also a trained firearms instructor who was sent to psychiatric treatment while he was training at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Number three. In a reversal, Democratic Congressman Jared Golden of Maine says he now supports a ban on assault-style rifles following the massacre in his home state. I have opposed efforts to ban deadly weapons of war like the assault rifle used to carry out this crime. The time has now come for me to take responsibility for this failure. 
which is why I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles. Golden was one of five Democrats who voted against an assault weapons ban bill passed by the House last year. Sixty years after the onset of Beatlemania and with two of the quartet no longer alive, artificial intelligence has enabled the release of the last new Beatles song. The track called Now and Then will be available next Thursday. With the help of AI, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr were able to combine old tracks from John Lennon and George Harrison to put the song together. So, I mean, the Beatles are back together, essentially. Sort of. That is what artificial intelligence is doing. Man. (laughs) Thank you, Jen. Thanks for being with us. A volunteer youth bowling coach known for encouraging children and a bar manager whose father said tried to confront the gunmen were among those killed in the main mass shootings. 76-year-old retiree Bob Violette devoted himself to his volunteer job coaching the youth bowling league that was practicing Wednesday night as the shooting broke out. Also, Michael Delorier's father told CBS News that his son was one of those killed at the just-in-time recreation. Says his son and a friend both were killed as they charged the gunman after making sure their wives and children were safe. And there's Joe Walker, bar manager at Shemengi's Bar and Grill. His father told NBC News that his son was shot twice in the stomach as he went after the gunman with a butcher knife and died a hero. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.